we have a forum mm. in the email, but we don't really get much at all there. So okay. I don't know why that is. Maybe we don't welcome it as much. As you yeah, and also we, it, when we first started, it was, it was a joke almost. People almost we had people joking that stop trying to promote your ridiculous forum, and we, and we just never stopped. Like we sort of went, no, we actually we're proud of it, and, we, you know, and it worked for a good six months. It, it languished with nothing, and it, and it like, like to point out, it's well, it's very popular with Russian brides. <laughs> it was, yes, it was. But it was nice. We sort of we, we got sort of attracted. potential Russian brides, I should say, not a. They weren't married yet. I really wanted to be. Uh, but anyway, we should do this. Let's get this thing going. Indeed. Thank you very much. Think of the same place. This is your uh, That's right. We've, we've had to share, share many. We've had to share rooms together. Where are we? God. Uh, Dan's, Dan's quite fragile. Gregoire and Dan Beeston are smart enough to know better. People have tried to unstitch their fingerprints and swap them over with other people that they can see. <laughs> what? 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 Yeah, like you just cut it out and then stitch it back on another finger and whatnot. That's crazy. Yeah. That's mad! Welcome to episode 20 of Smart Enough to Know Better, a podcast of science, comedy and ignorance. And firstly, I'd like to say happy birthday to Stephen Hawking! Hawking since 70. That's a ma- I didn't realise he was so old. He's 70 years old. He looks better than me, the bastard in his chair. I mean, that wonderful human being. Oh, dear. But he does. I had no idea he was 70, but he's 70. On yeah. January the 9th, he turned 70 years old. When he got first diagnosed in, in when he's 21, they went, you've got like a year to live, dude. And he's like, oh, my God. And now he's a professor, and he's won all sorts of crazy prizes, and he won the Medal of Freedom from Barack Obama, and, and he's had two wives, and he got divorced in 2006. That blows my mind. Uh, and, and he has many children. Children, and you go, dude, dude, you were in a chair. You rock on, dude. Yeah. Like, is it dark magic? What? That he's lived that long? I think so. I think that's it. Dark matter magic. Ooh. Ah. That's it, yes. All that Hawking radiation. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It, yeah, it was just, well done. Well done, Stephen Hawking's. <laughs> so is it Haw- Hawking or Hawking? Stephen Hawking. Okay. Yes. It's no Haw- S. I, oh, no. I, like Stephen Hawking. Is it Stephen Hawking? That's what I thought. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did I say Stephen Hawking's? Yes. Oh, Hawking's Those radio- are the cast-offs. <laughs> he buds like a fern. <laughs> I've, I've, oh. got, I've, I've got myself a cutting. I've got myself some Stephen Hawking's. <laughs> I'm going to grow him, grow him in a nice pot. Give me the brief history of it. God damn it. <laughs> no, I will not. Yes, yeah, so happy... It's b- always a bit weird mimicking his voice because yes. it sounds like you're making fun of him. Yes, yes, yes. Like, ah, I am a robot voice. Yes. Uh, and you're like, well, he is using a robot voice. Did you hear the interesting thing about his robot voice? Go on then. He, he had a certain sound card that makes his voice, like that very distinctive voice. And he hasn't upgraded it for a long, long time. Ah, yes, the Sound Blaster 2. Yeah, probably. And the company that made it went out of business years ago, a long time ago. And thinking ahead, he went and bought all of the sound cards. So, oh, right. Because that's his voice. Says that was his voice. And he didn't want to change it. He didn't want to upgrade it. He, he liked his voice. And he's known yeah. for his voice. Yes. Uh, he, and so, I've always wondered about that because it, it does sound like an old one. Yes. It, it doesn't does, sound like your, app, your, your, your <laughs> Apple. Hi there. No, it's Siri. I'm Angie. Yeah, no, no, it's it's his voice. So he had them, but they've all died. They've all over the years. They've burnt out. Yeah. He's got one left. And this is a problem because he won't be able to speak anymore. And mm. so people went, well, we'll just give you a new voice. And supposedly he got quite annoyed. But no, that's my voice. That's like yeah. saying, you could lose your voice. No, no, you don't want you don't want it. That's my voice. I've heard it for many, many years. I'd love to be able to upgrade my I changed my voice on a whim, though. I suppose, Imagine yeah, yeah. just being able to insert the Greg chip and just starting to... Talk like this all the time. Hi, I'm Dan Beeson, and I'm a great guy. I'm sexy as hell. Hey, ladies. How good would that be? <laughs> we know each other too well, Dan. 
That wasn't even rehearsed. Uh, quite frankly, I was a bit disappointed that you left a second and a half I, I, I there the while you were figuring this out. I was looking out the window. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I ignore you. I didn't realise. My... So Hawking... I saw something fluffy and sparkly <laughs> out the window. But Stephen Hawking, uh, someone came to him and said, well, we'll give you a new voice. And he said, no, 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 no new voice for me, thanks. I want my old voice. So they're basically reverse engineering his sound card to work out the exact inputs and outputs so they can get exactly the right timber mm. and the right noise from it and the right voice. And then they will electronically recreate that. They won't make a physical object, but they'll make write a program that makes those inputs and outputs. So isn't that exciting? I just love that. That's just really, really nice. You see, I'd love to see him doing stand-up comedy where he starts doing mimicking other people's voices. Because there are people who mimic other like imagine imagine Stephen Hawking yes. with a brand new sound card set up, so which was able to mimic his old voice, mm. but with all these options to oh, change stuff. Yes. Going up against the guy from Police Academy. It's Michael Winslow. Michael Winslow. Yes, he gets out. Oh, excellent. It's, who can who can out beatbox Stephen Hawking? Uh, it's a beatbox off. <laughs> a beat off? Wait. Uh, the, a, uh, no, no. No, that's no, not a. That's no, a different. That's, that's a, a different mm, competition. Yeah, it is. <laughs> uh, Stephen Hawking's probably. Yeah, everybody wins, no matter who comes first. <laughs> We're leaving the joke hanging, Dan. That was a joke hanging in the air. But no, here he comes to explain the joke. It's Dan. I felt there was more. There was more awe in the mine. <laughs> Quick, dig it out. But yes. Uh, so I was on Wikipedia the other day. Good lord. And uh, I got to the uh, the disambiguation page for Chad. Oh, yes, yes. The country of Chad. Oh, yes, good. But if, disambiguation. Oh, hang on a minute. Jump on there. Yep. There's the name of the, the yeah. son is named Chad. It's finally happened. Someone's changed the Wikipedia page, and it wasn't yes. us. No, it was, a, it was a guy who calls himself Sept Chad. We, we don't know who that is. And S-E-P-T-J-E. I follow him on Twitter. Oh, okay. So he got, he's got some good links. When, when, he, when he did it, because someone uh, emailed me and said, quick, go check Wikipedia. So I went and checked Wikipedia. And went, oh, my God, it's Chad. It's, you know, we named the son. Yay. And uh, got very excited. And then I told other people. When they went, they're gone. Because Wikipedia went, ah, enough of that rubbish. Thank you very much. And they fixed it. They got rid of it. And I went, oh, well. And someone said, did you get a screenshot? I went, I hadn't. I was like, it was gone. Of course, you can go back to the history, but yeah. I, I had forgot to get it. And so I didn't think about it. And then I don't know what well, someone else said. Oh, it's still there, like days later. And obviously, they've been put back. I don't know so why it, it wasn't there for other people. Mm. So I went through the history, and it hasn't been deleted. Oh, okay. There's been one change on the 11th of December. Yes. There was another one that said that Chad is the name of a talking dog in a novel that doesn't have a talking dog. <laughs> That's a bit weird. Okay. So I'm wondering whether I should delete that. We, that's not true. But the, because you know, that's just that's just reckless vandalism of Wikipedia. <laughs> not like the naming the sun chat. We named the sun chat. That's real. That's a real thing. It happened. And I've I've got into astronomy recently and bought a telescope, an eight inch Dobsonian telescope. Probably talk about it a bit later. And I've taken pictures of the moon, the eclipses, and we also now with a solar filter take a picture of the sun. So I will, uh, Chad. So I will actually uh, put the a link. So to you that. don't need to have bad vision to look at the sun. You could just use a filter. Yes. Because remember, I t- I, yes. my, when, when your vision's really bad, it doesn't focus the rays. Yes. And, I, and I told everyone they can look at the sun. Y- yes. Yeah. yeah so you, don't, you just get a filter instead if yes. your vision's good. That's, yeah. Or if, your if your vision's bad, just go out there and look at the sun. Stop saying that. The filter knocks out 99.6% of the light. So it's really nothing coming through. But you get this lovely little image. And, and I could see the sunspots. So very, very quickly, I took a photo of Chad in all its glory with its Chad spots. It feels quite liberating to... I was doing mm. some oxy-cutting a few years ago as part of my job. And so I had to wear the goggles and stuff. Mm. And so I was able to just look up at the sky and go, there's the sun. <laughs> just look at the sun through these like these inch-thick goggles. <laughs> Excellent. 
Yeah, yeah, well, so I got a bit keen on that because I was like, I'm going to be doing a fair bit of this mm. oxy cutting, and I don't want to wear this great big heavy helmet. So I bought some goofy steampunk goggles <laughs> with removable lenses. Yes. And then I got an old set of welding goggles, and I cut out. Oh, right. Lenses yeah, and, and got a grinder to grind off the edges, and then they were able to fit exactly into the goggles, <laughs> so I made my own uh, oxy-cutting goggles. Real steampunk goggles. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Very nice. So looking through the telescope I bought recently, yep. and, and really going out at night and, and being very angry at the sky for being full of clouds most of the time, just this time <laughs> of year, it's sort of tropical in subtropical Queensland, strangely enough, and the cloud cover. But the nights are clear, are wonderful. And if you're looking at the moon a lot, and, and with some of the eyepieces I have, I have like five millimeter eyepieces, I can pretty much pick out real estate to buy on the moon. Like I can pick out, I'll live on the east side of that mountain, <laughs> and I will ski down to work along the the trench here. It's really quite amazing. But why I'm mentioning this is is what's up at the moon at the moment. It's some very exciting things that have sort of been happening. And uh, on New Year's Day, the Grail spacecraft went into orbit around the moon. Have you heard of Grail? Oh, uh, uh, yes. Yes? Um, if you drink from it, you live forever. That's the one. They put it around the moon, so you really want it. You have to really, really, really okay. want it. Okay. Uh, the, no, but Grail A and Grail Hard B... Hard to drink water in a sub-zero. That's right. But Although that's... in the sun, it just melts like crazy, I guess. It just... In, the su- in direct sunlight. Yes, it would just it's not sub zero all the way out. No, no, no. It would just be. Oh, just, it's hard to drink <laughs> gas. Well, yeah, it would just be. We just go into it. Anyway, the point of this is, <laughs> the Grail spacecraft, two of them, A and B, are in orbit around the moon. And yep. what they're going to do is, they they will know where they are, so they'll know exactly where they are. They'll know exactly where the surface of the moon is, and they're going to measure the distance to the ground. And you triangulating all this, they can they'll know exactly how lumpy the moon is, basically the the heights and the valleys and the trenches. They'll map the moon perfectly all the way around down to. Ridiculously small accuracies, and this means that for later moon missions, they can have a much greater idea of where to land and, and what to look at. Of course, because they've got it down to sort of millimeter sort of levels. But more interesting than that, where, why that's interesting, and what, what else we can use that information for? There's a theory they can look for faces. They can look for faces on the moon, but that's on Mars. That's much more interesting. There's no face on Mars. I, I was so disappointed. That was such a <laughs> that that was basically the going. Here is the proof that there's nothing here at all. Because for yep. years you would open up these books. I, I I lapped up all that paranormal stuff when I was a kid. <laughs> Just like aliens and the Loch Ness Monster, and there's the face on Mars. Yes, yes. And, 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 and then one day, NASA just went, here's the face on Mars. Look, it's not a face. Yeah. And I was, just, I was heartbroken. We looked at, basically, they went, you're always looking for this one shot from, from a certain angle at a certain time of day. Now, here's the same shot at the same angle, but a different time of day. It's just a mountain. Yeah. It's just a mountain, guys. It's, just, it's pareidolia. At, at least Bigfoot. You could say, well, no one's found it. But people are still finding creatures out there. It could theoretically be out there. Mm. Well, the Loch Ness Monster, well, we did a sonar sweep, and yes. you go, yeah, but maybe it was in a cave. Yes, but so there's yes, always right. that little, that, that childish thing, but they mm. go, here's a picture of it, and it's not a face. You're like, yep. well, son of a balls. monkey. That's true. So there's a theory about the moon. Like, how, Dan, do you know how the moon got created? What's the Jeez. theory? Cheese. Hmm? <laughs> it's cheese. Um, what's, what's, the, what's the current theory? The current theory is that a big planetoid of some sort, possibly mm-hmm. a comet, or but, but probably a planetoid, great big mass, mm hit the Earth, mm. but it was so hot and the, the, the situation was such that hit the Earth so that both of them reacted like fluids, mm-hmm. and so it plunged into the Earth and went bloop, and the bloop sort of popped up into the air, yep. and it had the same rotational energy of, of the Earth, so it sort of hung above the Earth. 
kind right of at the same rote. Kind of, oh. I think you're getting a little bit complicated there. Yeah, but, but anyway, it went bloop, yeah, and, the, yes. and the bloop hung above the Earth because it sort of got caught in the gravitational so it wasn't, well, right It doesn't point. have to have been a bloop that stopped there. That, that's the moon. But yes, you're roughly, you're roughly right. As in something the size of Mars hit the, the very, very early Earth and at a very, very slight angle. So it, w- it wasn't like impact together, 180 ah, right. it, w- it was a glancing blow. But, and, and the theory is that the core of that Mars-like planet, size planet thing, went into our cores. That's why we have such a great, big, sexy core mm-hmm. full of iron because we got extra from later on oh, yeah. and from, from that one I can't remember its name Thebes it's got a name people have named it I can't remember what it was uh, and Chad uh, Chad Chad Ed Chad <laughs> little Chad and uh, it splashed off a lot of the crust and the mantle of the earth and that went into orbit like not, not one big blob but lots of bits and pieces which of course start to come together ah uh, yes so we've had a ring system and according to uh, sorry, an article I read recently about this it um, didn't take long like it was a month. a month a month yes I saw a, I saw a doco out at the planetarium oh that way it was oh there you go yes, planetarium. yes cosmic collisions that's so the one if, if it turns up at your planetarium check it out go and see it one. It is, and so it's. Oh, they're all good one. Go to your planet. Go to your local planetarium. Take people because- on a date. That's why I keep thinking. It's, it seems like the best because geek is now a sexy thing, right? Geeks are geeks are yeah. considered cool or at least acceptable. Everyone's a geek. Everyone's a geek nowadays. So take your geek interest to the planetarium. It's like a movie. It's forty-five, but only forty-five minutes long, and you normally get to learn about the sky. You seem intelligent, and you get to sit in the dark with them. But unlike a movie, which is an hour and a half, you don't ignore them for an hour and a half. You only got forty-five minutes, and then you go for like a coffee or something. Mm. But don't make out in the dark. No, that'd be weird because it's not like at the movies because there are scientists there yes. who are like turn off your mobile phones don't put them on silent turn them off because yes. any light and i will throw you the fuck out of here <laughs> uh, if there are uh, you know this show is for children eight years and uh, is for adults yep. if there are any children here make sure they don't make any noise and i was at one and i'm sitting in the dark and this is going, ah, and he goes excuse me can the, can you please take keep control oh, of your child oh. if that child makes another noise you will have to leave oh and she's like and then, and then a little bit, a few minutes later, child makes another noise. He goes, "I'm sorry, but you have to leave." He's like, "He's only four. He's like, "Well, it's an adult show. You have to leave." <laughs> and then someone else was like, "He's not bothering me." And the guy's like, "Well, he's bothering me. You'll have to leave." And oh, and uh, the frog princess and I were sitting uh, there clapping our hands uh, in the dark. Suck it, four year old. As you were making out quietly in the in the distraction. Yeah, yeah quick, yeah, quick, we're distracted. Get suck some face. Yeah. <laughs> What's that sucking sound? Four year old. Four year old. <laughs> But anyway, there's a collision, and it comes on site and splashes on the cross. And within one month, according to theories, the, this, the moon had formed. And that was what they thought. But when people started doing modelling for this, this collision, they went, well, it, the, we can't just make one form. It seems to be two. It, it, huh? it, it, two moons. There should be two. Where is our other moon? Oh, because uh, when you do a driplet, it sort of blobs up in... Remember, it's not a blob. It's, it's, a, it's a ring of, of, of material. Oh, It's just things... Okay. It's, it's, it's the, the, I, I, without going into orbital mechanics and that sort of stuff, the material wouldn't have all formed. It wouldn't just crash. What they said was mostly it crashed, well, a lot of it crashed back to Earth, mm-hmm. but some of it blobbed into the moon and became a moon that we all know and love. But, the, but, but there the, should have been two. The, the modelling is, no, there should have been another one. But mm-hmm. maybe, and I'm going oh, to have Lagrangian... Uh, we'll talk about that a bit later too, if you want. <laughs> Lagrangian point stuff. But, but basically, there should have been two. Quite a big one too. Where is it? The theory is now... It's directly behind the first one <laughs> hiding Shh, play it cool it's around the other side it's, it's on the other earth around the back of the sun uh, <laughs> the theory now is that it, they would have been in the same plane and in the same orbit and in the end it would have very very slowly crept up on the main moon like shh quick quiet quick, 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 
jump it! And everyone jumped on it, and it had a very, they said, a, very, a collision over hours, but they, that was the theory, like a very slow collision over hours, and it would have sort of, because it's smaller, much smaller than our, our natural moon, and it would have gone glom, and it would have just kind of glommed onto the top of, of our moon. Now, that's, you go back to, well, surely you, we'd... You'd spot like a sort of a pancake spot. Ah, on... and welcome to the dark side of the moon, which looks ridiculously different to the light side of the moon. But the, the part we can't see from Earth, the back of the moon, oh, okay. looks so quite it, different. It, it wouldn't have been on the exact same distance, so it wouldn't have... It's still, it, well, it wouldn't have just been chasing it and just... No, no, and, and missed it. It, no, would have no. come, it would have been a little bit Something, further out and yes. sort of swooped in. Probably, yes. Like the, gotcha. and, and, and that's what the Grail. One of the well, one of the things the Grail is also going to do mm-hmm. is do all sorts of, and photographing and, and measuring, measuring, I should yeah. say. And they're going to say, well, is it higher? Because all this extra material would have probably made if it, if, if it didn't just smash and all reform into a big hot surface, which I don't think it did. Like it slowly, like I love you, and it became a blanket sort of thing instead of bam and breaking them apart. There's a there's a theory that the dark side of the moon will be will be on average higher than the light side of the moon, and that's actually the tiny little moon we lost. I went, ah. Lying there going, play cool. We're all good here. Shh, I'm a second moon. Isn't that, isn't so that cool? a great big circle on the back of the moon. <laughs> I don't, well, no, it'll be all smashed out. And, so it look yeah. a bit like a face. <gasps> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Welcome to the interview component of the podcast. We have a very excited guest today, Matt Thompson from the University of Queensland. How's it going? Did you say I was excited or... You have exciting. an exciting No, you're exciting. exciting. You're very oh. exciting. You're exciting. That's why yeah, you're on the That's podcast. why we're exciting. Oh, okay. That's right. We are excited, but you are exciting. That's how it works. Great. Laconic scientist. He's already looking worried. Thompson. <laughs> yes, he's already a little bit nervous. I can see it in his eyes. Yes, so he's invited us into his home, and now he's wondering how to get rid of it. It's going to be now, a great interview. Matt, uh, you're not a doctor yet, are you? I'm not. I'm a doctor <laughs> in training. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah. That's, are you guys real doctors? No. So, so why, why yes. are you laughing? So why are you laughing? Once again, bless your heart. <laughs> bless your heart. I have a degree. What was, <laughs> what was that devilish laugh then? Uh, just playful. <laughs> yes, he was hoping. He was hoping you wouldn't pick up on that fact. He's also not a doctor. Just, just, just to put you on the back foot. Yeah, it, it, was a, it was a cunning ruse that went horribly wrong. That's the best way the interviews will work. Make sure that your victim, uh, your uh, interviewee, is on the back foot. <laughs> Now, we first came into contact with you at TEDx in Brisbane Mm -hmm. when uh, some of your research was put forward involving fingerprint technology. Yes. Yes. Is this your speciality? Yep. uh, Asked to give a three-minute presentation. Well, actually, the reason I was asked is because I went in the three-minute thesis competition. Have you guys heard about it? Nope. So it's a competition with all universities in Australia, New Zealand, and some in the South Pacific. Nerds like me are asked to present their doctoral research in three minutes. So for me, that was to put three years' work into three minutes that um, (laughs) anybody could understand without dumbing it down too much. That sounds like the editing process of the podcast. (laughs) Yeah. You wish. <laughs> I'd listen to this podcast all the time if it was down to three minutes. Yeah. <laughs> well, we could do that. That's, a, that's, that's a challenge. Every yeah. four minutes, every one hour, you can release a three-minute chunk. Yeah. So this is too long. Let's cut the interview out. <laughs> oh damn! <laughs> Checkmate. So anyway, I won the national competition, right. and so I was asked to give a three-minute talk on TEDx on fingerprinting. Is it on video? They did record TEDx Brisbane, mm. but like the year before, it's awful. The quality oh, is okay. disgusting and it's awful. But okay. the three-minute thesis version is actually quite good. Okay, that's, well, been, might... that's been viewed a fair few okay, times. Okay, we might yeah. grab we might grab that and put that in the yep. li- link to that's okay. Yep. That'd be good. 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 see it. Yep. Claim to fame is it was just on the Oprah website recently. Ooh. So I've made it. Oh, you know, I've, I've, he's, he's an Oprah. I've made oh, it. He's a I'm a fan, yeah. I'm an Oprah fan. <laughs> he doesn't need to become a doctor. <laughs> that's, 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 he's he's 
Millions. He's leapfrogged. Millions. Straight to Oprahdom. <laughs> get a different hat for being Oprah. Yeah, or... That would be a, a, an O P H D at Oak. Oh, good, stop. Good one. Uh, but the, the, um, the, the, the <laughs> don't encourage him. Don't encourage him. <laughs> no, it's a really so, sarcastic. So good I, one. I, I just want to. I want to. We get a lot of those. I, I don't hear them anymore. When I read the transcript back, I just see good one, and I go, oh, it's the so, Now, let me put something past you, Matt. So imagine a TV show, and there's some terrible crime, and it's like a policeman have burst in, and there's blood everywhere, and they call in Detective Dan and Detective Greg to solve the crime. We walk around with our little lights, looking for semen everywhere, which seems to be in those shows, and then, of course, suddenly we find a fingerprint. We go, it's a fingerprint! And we do a little fingerprint. Well, but you don't do, you don't... Don't move my story. It would just be a blank wall and then you'd dust from Oh, yes, that's right. Yeah, it could have been in finger... blood. It could have been in it blood. blood. Oh, on the door there, frame. Yeah. So it's in blood. Anything. And it's, a, it's a partial print. It's a partial... I mean, they always say partial print and then they take it and they take it back to the police station and they go... on the computer and boom! It's like Jimmy McKnife and he stabbed them guy and they know it and it's solved. Is that how... That's exactly, that's how, it exactly is, how it happens. Oh, yeah. end of interview. There <laughs> we go. But how accurate is that? Unfortunately, it's not like CSI. <laughs> yeah, they do use computers to help them. So a mm. fingerprint examiner will put a fingerprint into a computer and it will go and it'll search a national database. Right. But it's kind of like a Google search. So the computer will come Lots back with porn? maybe 10... <laughs> No, no, it's a safe search. Oh, wait, search. Oh, I, I yeah, never pressed sorry. that button. That's terrible. <laughs> wait, this isn't a fingerprint. This is a... Whoa! How was this mark made on that glass surface? <laughs> I've discovered ten more crimes. <laughs> <laughs> so they'll use computers to help them, but 50 matches might come back, or 10, or 100. Really? And then it's the, oh. the human's job to grab those prints, put them side by side, and just look at them to decide whether they match or not. What? So a computer tells... It could be roughly this group of people, and then a human being has to say it's that person there. Yep, exactly. And therefore, I'm assuming they get it 100% right all the time, yay for the law. Well, despite them testifying in court for the past 100 years that fingerprint examiners can do these tasks and that they can match them with 100% accuracy, there hasn't been until recently any scientific evidence for how accurately these people can match prints. So, really? yeah, before we came along and recently the FBI and a couple of others, or I should say last year in 2011, mm. tested fingerprint examiners to find out how accurate they are. There was just no evidence before, but these guys were going up in court and saying they don't make errors, that they're infallible. Jagger Hoover, mm. the longtime director of the FBI, said of all the methods of identification, fingerprinting alone has proved to be both infallible and feasible, which is a pretty large claim because there's not many people that claim to be infallible. No. The Pope comes to mind, uh, and fingerprint examiners. Yeah. Uh, but not scientists, yeah, yeah. not people who claim to be scientists yeah. or work in a scientific yeah, discipline. We went around Australia, we went to the Queensland Police, New South Wales, Victoria, South Australia, and the Australian Federal Police in Canberra. Mm. We put them in a situation that was similar to their usual everyday work, but we maintained you know, tight experimental control, so mm -hmm. we could do all the good stuff like generalise, etc. Mm. And we found, when we looked at the results for the first time, we were, we were shocked. They were incredibly accurate. These guys seemed oh, to goodness. be. Yeah, it's, <laughs> I was, uh -oh. they were. I, I always pause. These guys were incredibly. And then they holstered their weapons. <laughs> and they let us out. <laughs> Yeah, I've got to be careful, yeah. yeah. Yeah, they were just amazing, and we compared them to novices, so just mm. University of Queensland students, and they just 
outperformed them amazingly. Oh, okay. So their their brains are sort of adapting to look, to look at swirls and and whirls, whirls and swirls, yep. whirls and swirls. Yeah, I absolutely think so. They see things in a print that we can't. Mm, okay. um, so this is what I'm working on my PhD. I'm working on how it is that they can do this task so accurately, and oh. whether they need to be able to describe it or tell you. Like you yeah. tell me, how do you recognise your mother's face? Well, you can't tell me, but you've had so much experience with her face and under so many different conditions that you can just recognise it. Every time I see. There's well, be- beatings involved 10 seconds later. There, there's a chunk of <laughs> I had a sad childhood. There's a chunk of your brain that's dedicated to this, isn't there? Because what, you, have, you have a chunk of your brain dedicated to looking at my mother's face. <laughs> you yeah. sick bastard. Dude, All seriously. the experience. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah my, my brain was dedicated to your mother's face last night. What? <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so part of your brain goes, okay, that's a six-foot human with blonde hair and mm. earrings and stuff and such but then another part of your brain is specifically designed to look at human faces mm. and eke out all those tiny little discrepancies yeah, that's true. and yep. some people lose that in uh, brain injuries and they can look at people that they know and they can't figure it out they don't know who it is and they've actually got to add up all the bits yeah. the components of that person they're looking at to go i think i know who that is and yep. now, you'll, you'll, you'll even show them a picture yeah. of someone else this woman was shown all these pictures to test this and she was shown a picture of greg norman who had shoulder length blonde hair and she had shoulder length blonde hair and she went that's a picture of me <laughs> she's wishing what you're talking about there is prosopagnosia oh. so it's an inability to recognize faces mm. and yeah some people acquire this deficiency through brain injury and some people are born with it mm. it's difficult to know what they see but freaky isn't it it's like it's, how can you, you you know faces i mean i i'm bad with names but you walk down a street and especially in Brisbane where it's a bit small and your brain goes you know that person you know that person yep. and sometimes yeah, someone you know from television yep. and you go no oh, I don't know that person I just know them from television yep. yeah exactly uh, but you can't you go, I don't know but I recognise the face but I couldn't say who the name was yep. well a lot of people with prosopagnosia it, it varies on a scale it's not dichotomous you know you don't have it or not but people often don't know they have it. And so oh. they've gone through life not knowing that they can't actually ah. recognise faces, but they use all sorts of other cues like gait, yes. you know, walking, yeah. earrings, shirts. I can pick my father out. My father had a car accident and he has a, a smaller leg, like his left leg is smaller, so he has a big built-up shoe. He's a very distinctive, like he's like rolling on a ship, basically, a walk like that. My brain automatically picks him out of a crowd of thousands. I can see him moving and go, oh, that's yeah. my father. Yeah. Uh, and no, because no one else walks like him in the whole wide world. Before I see him, it could be a tiny dot on the horizon. Yeah. Uh, and I I know to run away then. Speaking of, it's called gait analysis. Um, (laughs) He knows everything, doesn't he? I was really excited. I'm like, oh, I know something about the brain. And he goes, oh, this is what it's called. I I thought it was being clever mentioning Oliver Sacks, but uh, I didn't know. It's the fusiform face area, what you were talking about. Just just to add. Just to add. (laughs) So there are guys that go up in court, they get CCTV footage from a crime. And they say that they can identify a person from the way they walk in CCTV footage from doing a gait analysis, just watching the person, uh, the suspect walk. Yeah. Unfortunately, again, there is just absolutely no that, evidence no, for whether they can do this or not. But they 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 still testify in court. But I mean, there's a very famous from the 70s. Um, you can tell by the way I use my walk. I'm a woman's man. No time. No time for talk. That's a very important part of research, wasn't it? Absolutely. Well, yeah. That's a the whole thing. thing. And, 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 no, it was very important. But you shouldn't mock it because it was about staying alive. Staying alive. Uh, um, uh, uh, stop it! Stop it! <laughs> I thought you'd forgotten your line, Sam, but no. No, no, no I was, that I was, was all part of it. I was all home. That was smooth. Yeah, that was, yeah. just, that was yeah. his whole bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good. <laughs> Luckily, I cut him off before the next bit, so. <laughs> yes, he gets me like that. Oh, really my God. Anyway, so, look, isn't it, once again, we have this very, very educated gentleman, and we're babbling on again. We're dragging him down to our level. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 
You started off clever. He's, <laughs> like, look, he's bringing the science, we're bringing the ignorance as per usual, so that's fine. The comedy will just... Oh, God, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know how that's going to happen. Okay, so gate analysis. So Also, that's no evidence to that, you're saying. So there's, there's very little evidence about fingerprint analysis either. Mm. Is there a special magical word for fingerprint analysis? Friction ridge identification. Oh, it's okay. often called. That's the fancy one. I just, I just call I've seen it. Seen that movie? I just call it fingerprint so. matching. When you do, when you don't do safe search on Google, you get friction, you get ridge, friction ridge pictures a lot. Yeah, it's terrible. Be careful. Sorry. <laughs> I'll stop now. <laughs> so, uh, why, why do we have fingerprints? That's actually a good question. Do you mean don't why? Sounds so surprised. <laughs> I know, it's like, as in. As in, we didn't, yeah, what, what are they for? Do you mean, so why do we have these ridge-type things yeah, on our yeah. fingers? Because yeah, it's not a fingerprint funny. until you touch something, right? It's this, Yeah, these, it's, it's a ridge. Why do we have fingers? <laughs> no, wait. <laughs> careful. Why do we have princes? Wait, wait, we're moving out of my area. Yeah, Don't make me look you, stupid. Once again, we're going back to Google Safe Search problems. Why do we have fingers? No, that's a good question. Why, why do we have these, these ridges and patterns on our fingers? That one is a little bit controversial as well, from what I know. The long-time wisdom was that it helped with grip strength, okay. um, but I think that's been blown out of the water recently. Um, it's like adding friction to things. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. so okay. especially in wet weather, etc., mm. it can, can add grip. Mm. from our tree-dwelling ancestors. Mm. But I'm not sure where we are now on fingerprints, <laughs> on, on friction, friction ridges, ridges ridge. on our phalanges. Ooh, right your phalanges. <laughs> Actually, I tell you what, friction ridge sounds like an awesome Moving, hero name. Yeah. That's right, yes. But where, evil doer? It's friction ridge! That's right. Hang on. Oh, oh, oh. just you guys around Chinese burning people. <laughs> terrible. Charlie horses. It's weird not having fingerprints. But it's very rare. I did that once. Is it rare? What? No, I did it. What, what happened what? was we weren't supposed to have a dog. And so we were having a house inspection and the, the vacuum cleaner wasn't picking up all the dog hair in the carpet. Mm. So I had to go across the carpet, raking at the carpet and pulling up all the dog hair until all the dog hair didn't come out. And I, th- I would have done this for a couple of hours. Mm. And at the end of the day, I'm like, why do my hands feel weird? I managed to smooth my fingers to a sheen. <laughs> It did, just, you, did you Google search carpet burn after that as well? This was before Google. <laughs> oh, really? So, yeah, yeah, carpet burn. But it just, careful, it was, careful. It was all slutty. I couldn't pick up glasses. <laughs> what? It was... But I've read, I've read there was some... Um, John Wayne Gacy, one of the serial killers, one of the big ones. I can't remember exactly. He tried to destroy his fingerprints with acid and then mm. work because, yeah. of course, they still got partial bits off. Mm. Them. Yeah, yeah. Some, it, some people are born without... I think it's a genetic defect. Are born without... Fingerprints? But just flat fingers. Just totally I don't smooth. know what it looks like. But yeah. It's just shiny. How would, how would you know? They'd be the perfect criminal. Awesome. <laughs> That'd be brilliant. Yeah, we've got DNA now. <laughs> that's a problem. Ah, <laughs> damn it. That's, oh, uh, if, only, if only he had no, was born without DNA. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's, that's the next step of evolu- <laughs> criminal evolution. What? Like <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Did Jesus have DNA? <laughs> There was a book. Why are you asking us this question? Uh, there was, there was this, we know? There was actually this brilliant book called The Miracle Strain yeah. where these guys were able to take DNA and extrapolate from that what a person would look like and, and go, oh, add 35 years, and, they, and get a very good idea of what Is they would look like. Novel? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Right. Oh, good, yeah. good. Because we're, we're both firing our brows going, Fiction or non-fiction? <laughs> fiction or non-fiction? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I always get this confused <laughs> yeah. on the podcast. <laughs> Uh, did yeah, I just, so did I it's just a novel. Dream this? <laughs> it, 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 yes, it is a fictional novel, and they so they can take your blood and they can figure out what you're going to look like when you're like 35 or 40 or however old, and what right. you're going to die of probably right. if it's a genetic defect. And hmm. then almost immediately, <laughs> like the that, guy like that here is Greg Roboth. Greg is going to get killed by being hit by a man when he sleeps with another man's <laughs> wife. That's in my DNA. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> 
It's I suppose there would be some hints towards that if you were... A philanderer. A philander- they had uh, like more philandering tendencies. I think they found some of that. But anyway, so the guy who's building the machine goes, it works! And he tests it on his like three-year-old daughter and goes, she's going to die when she's six! And, uh, and so he's... Because she's got a right. genetic oh, I see. Yeah, yeah, sure. thing. But then... That's like Gattaca. The movie Gattaca is like mm. this. But then they managed to get a strain of blood from this weird old cult. And they've ma- they, they still have the a Catholic bit... Church. They still have a bit of DNA from Jesus Christ. Mm. And so nice. they run that through and they see Jesus Christ when he's like 30 years old and such. Mm. And then they can replicate the blood mm. and they inject the blood into rats and, and then they give them cancer and all the rats die. But if they put the rats together in the cage, then the rats... Heal magically, and what happens is that the, the and they start building churches, That's right. little tiny <laughs> churches, <laughs> little hats, poop rats. So how did we get onto this? Oh, yes. So it was Jesus's DNA, no. and and in his DNA was the magic that would heal people. Anyway, back to the uh, fingerprint analysis, gentlemen. Who's so back very, to the non-fiction. Who's very, who's very nicely decided to let us interview He him. asked us about the DNA. <laughs> he said, did they, he said, what sort of question is, did Jesus have DNA? True. I answered as best I could right. using fiction. <laughs> well, he can only well, have half, half the number of genetic material, yes. right? Ooh. Yeah. That's why I was asking. Well, it's, cross, it's crossbreed. It's, it's interspecies relations. Also, the angels were. Which we sort of mentioned. Well, yeah, it was we, God, wasn't he? Let's not get into the- theology. Let's not, please, please, let's not get into <laughs> Especially theological anatomy. Well, it's been Christmas recently. That's nice. That's a new field. It's a burgeoning field. The- theological, theological anatomy. Theological it's anatomy. a de-burgeoning field. Hey? Hey? The theological anatomy is... is- all right. Matt's got this look in his eyes going, this isn't a science no, podcast. No, really, let's, I, would lo- I would like it to one to become one, so let's, let's, push, let's push down Pushing through. All right, so, so, the, so the fingerprints, we, where were we? Oh, God, now you can throw me off entirely. Uh, well, so the fingerprints are being matched up by uh, professionals, but not by amateurs. So yep. the amateurs are, having a, a, are all over the shop. Yep, yep. So in Australia, it takes five years to become a qualified fingerprint examiner to be able to give evidence in court. All right. And so we're not sure how the expertise develops over time. So is it really important to read a textbook to know all about the different kinds of patterns and how mm. fingerprints are formed in the uterus? Or is it more about thousands and thousands of hours and exposure to mm. untold probably millions of prints in order to be able to, to see differences and similarities and to see through the noise. And as you can tell by the way I put that false dichotomy there, <laughs> I think it's more likely to be the latter. But experience, not book learning. Yeah, well, there's going to be... So that's what Matt's saying. Stop learning from books and go and experience the world, kids. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Dr. Matt says... Education think, is pointless. I, <laughs> Dr. Matt says. Speaking of doctors, hey, can't talk, call me Dr. Matt yet. <laughs> Pre-Dr. Matt. And it'd be Dr. Thompson to you as well. Oh, oh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> We've made some crucial missteps <laughs> in this interview. Getting our, getting our interviewer on side, talking about science, having right. a podcast. You can do whatever you want. I'm not a doctor yet. But they, they, have, they have... Quick, take your stuff! <laughs> They have done research. He's not a doctor. What's he going to do? I have no real power. (laughs) They have done research with medical doctors to see... Those hacks. Yeah. The guys that cure things. God. No Jesus. Anyway, the guys that... Sorry, you've made... I've lost my train of thought as well. 
Doctors. We're dragging him down. <laughs> Stop it. Doctors do all this training in, yep. in university, right? But nobody trusts them, including fellow doctors, until they've had five years of clinical experience. Mm, mm. So what seems to be important is feedback and exposure to all sorts of different diagnoses and just getting that, that experience and gut feeling about what's wrong with this person. A doc, you can walk into a doctor's office and before you utter a sentence, they can diagnose you pretty accurately. And in fact, the longer they take to make a diagnosis... Yes the more likely they are to be wrong. So if you're in the doctor's office and he says, he or she says, let me think about that, get out. Because, yeah, yeah, get a second. I learned from Dr. House, it's never lupus. It's not lupus. It's not lupus. Now, uh, this was actually referenced in a book called Blink, which is the science of judgment calls. Mm, By Malcolm Gladwell, yeah. Yeah, that's the guy. you know what? I don't even know where that's true. It sounds right. It's a, go with that's it. the guy, I'm like, sure. Yeah, well, I exactly. agree with the clever guy. <laughs> exactly. You just blinked and you went, that sounds right. Uh, yeah. Perfect. Thank you very much. That was my... That's, he's, oh, he's good, isn't he? He's, he's smart enough to realise just how smart I am. <laughs> it's the glasses. <laughs> the clever specs. But that's a great book. Because, and there's a whole chapter in there about improvisation too about improvisers and how they, they're always making judgment calls and making okay. mistakes. And yeah, the first, the first chapter of the book, he, he talks about it. I think he's an artist who was looking at, at a sculpture or a painting and it just didn't feel right. He mm. couldn't tell you what was wrong about it, but it didn't feel right. And of course, it turned out to be a counterfeit, but he couldn't right. tell you why. And so we think that fingerprint examiners are going to be similar. Mm. We shouldn't expect that they should be able to detail or explain everything that they're doing about their judgment process. In fact, that might hurt their performance. So we're trying to figure out how it is that they actually make their decisions. So how accurate are they, if you can, if you can answer that question? 50%? 70%? Well, it's difficult to say. I mean, the question of how accurate they are is almost impossible to ask. It's like saying how accurate is a hospital, how accurate is, uh. is a doctor. But what we did find is when we tested those fingerprint examiners, they made very, very few types of errors that might lead to giving false evidence in court. The, the errors that they made much more of were the kind of errors that would lead to possibly letting a guilty person go free. So, in other words, they are right. conservative. They have a conservative ah, bias, right. Yeah. right? And that's the way you want them to be, yes. right? The error on the side of course. The, uh, the, 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 the law exactly. only works yeah. when 10 guilty people get off free and no... No, that, wait. <laughs> the, the law works when 10 guilty people go free... But no innocent people go to jail. Especially people who put put to death. We have death penalty and that sort of stuff. That's a bit more serious in in states of America where you wouldn't want to put someone to death based on fingerprint analysis then if you weren't 100% certain they were the person because then they might be innocent. Yep. And once you put them to death, well, you can't bring them back. Yeah, it is interesting. But we have had recently a high court case in Australia where a guy was charged with murder and pretty much the only piece of evidence was DNA evidence. Mm. And so he was convicted of murder, but he appealed all the way up to the high court saying, you can't convict me of murder. Yeah just on the basis of one piece of DNA evidence. And mm. the High Court decided not to rule in that case, but As yeah, in, it was they, really interesting. They, they, so he's still in jail? Or they decided not to rule on the case at all? They decided not to say, and we're way out of my area here, I'm no legal scholar. They decided not to make a decision about whether it was appropriate to convict someone on the basis ah. of a single piece of forensic Sure. Evidence. And that's kind of like the idea of having you know, scientifically more than one, one vector. 
I, I would rather have multiple. Like, if you go, yep. you found your DNA, but then we found your fingerprints, and we found you hiding in the cupboard. Then yep. these all pretty, you know, damning evidence, or yep. even or maybe it may be less silly, like an eyewitness account. They saw you nearby. These are the kind of go, well, that as a jury member, I'd be much happier to convict. But just to go, well, they, they find. Let's say Matt ends up bludgeoned to death at the end of a podcast. Theoretically. So theoretically, just just saying, just saying. Uh, <laughs> I feel like you've gone into cleanup mode. <laughs> in the, we've got the bag here already, and, and and they just found my DNA here. It doesn't make me the killer because I was in the room. Like, yeah. As in before so what happened? Yeah. So what you get, we have a fairly good theoretical model for that, and it's called Bayesian reasoning. And so, what your belief about the world is supposed to update based on new information that comes to you. So if you have DNA, that should update for you the likelihood of my guilt. And mm. then if you find a fingerprint as well, that should update. And then if you have a motive, this yeah. should all update yeah. your, you were your the victim, Bayesian the reasoning. You weren't the, you were oh. the victim. Oh, shit. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So just, 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 <laughs> just you, to clear that up. Just yeah. to clear that up. You were the, you were the victim. Which all where, update. Where, where does recorded threats come in the, uh, in the, <laughs> in the surveillance act? Yeah. I'm okay, hypothetically speaking. I'm just... Not even veiled threats. Yeah. <laughs> I'm coming straight out. You're only in a bath, Matt. So this is called Bayesian reasoning, and the problem is... If you um, lost all of your delicious blood... <laughs> back in ancient Rome, they thought when you drank the blood, you gained the intelligence of the victim. Oh, you could use that. You still don't think that? Oh, let's try, <laughs> let's try an experiment. I've got to tell you really quickly, Yep, that Bayesian reasoning stuff mm. is great for all sorts of things, like making diagnoses and for forensic evidence and stuff. Mm. The problem is... Our minds don't work like that at all. We are the worst Bayesian reasoners you can imagine. So if you're expecting a jury mm. to use that kind of Bayesian reasoning and update their stuff, yep. you're not going to get it. In fact, sometimes they'll do the opposite, which is some research that just come out. We're terrible Bayesian <laughs> reasoners, and we're just convinced by all sorts of other stuff, like how attractive the expert in the witness box is, which nice. is sad. There is some call in New South Wales just last week that we should get rid of jury trials altogether mm. and leave it to judges which is oh i've been on a jury before and i i'd agree with that wholeheartedly <laughs> really have you bunch of psychotic racists <laughs> they don't what about the others <laughs> that's, that's <Dan. laughs> I, hello i'm a psychotic racist no so, no no i I, I, I quite clearly said we're psychotic ah, racists yes, that's right. and then the other 11 jurors <laughs> i saw one in america one recently where they they had to <laughs> let a guy off. They, they convicted him of some terrible crime, and they let him off because two of the jurors were tweeting during the whole yeah. time, and they were giving up like things like "I hate this guy" and "I just want this to be over," and "I'll just say whatever to get yeah. out." And, and he, like, yeah, he was caught once as well for tweeting, yeah. and then he did it again, and but then it, they just had to throw this whole case. Yeah, out. but, but it, and the tweeting's one thing for me, but but what he was tweeting, I think, was really like, he, he was bearing his inner soul, like what he was actually thinking, which oh, was, wow. "I don't care." Like I'm, he, and you go, "Oh, that's what." The, so if he's thinking that, and he's been caught, many other jurors are probably thinking exactly the same. What you're saying before. They don't care. It's, it's the short skirt on the lawyer or whatever. Like yep. it's, it's not, it's not the, the Yeah, and there is the legal thing that you're not ever allowed to look in this black box. The black box is the jury decision-making, so mm. nobody's ever allowed to see. Just um, go in the room and just how yeah. awful it is. Yeah. The other guy was asleep, by the way, in that oh, same case. Oh, was he really asleep? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> when your life's on the line, like, like, just came and go, wake up! <laughs> For God's sake, <laughs> I'm going to get put in a chair! <laughs> or maybe you want, want him to be asleep. Oh, I don't well, know. Yeah, oh, that's... Damn it. Damn oh, it. No, I, he's I, thought this through. I was in I'm the, so going to jail when he's bludgeoned. I was on the jury, I mean, and, the, <laughs> and the, the accused was an elderly Aboriginal gentleman, and during the case, this old white woman in the, in the jury was like, oh, but they're all like that, aren't they? And I was just like, Jesus. oh, my God. This is not going to end like 12 angry men at all. Uh, but yeah. you did mean Aborigine, right? Instead of Aboriginal? Yeah. Oh. 
for everyone to get fingerprinted. Do you think Do you think only the guilty have something to hide? Therefore, it'd be a good idea to turn 18 and get fingerprinted. That would help? Do you think that would help? I, I know there's a whole lot of legal, the, legal yeah. issues here and, and public, you know, as in privacy and stuff. Well, well, there is so there is so much there. The, the first thing that comes to mind is it's kind of specific. So until recently, the people who were in a searchable database mm. were people who had been arrested or convicted of crimes. Mm. So you can imagine what that distribution looks like of the types of people that are in a searchable database. Mm. So if you search that database, you're pretty much searching a criminal database. But now, like in the States, the FBI has millions and millions of prints mm. from millions of people. And these are people from immigration. Yes. Uh, that we're just about to do the same thing in Australia. The immigration database okay. is about to be merged with this, what I call so-called criminal one, but that's not, in, that's not accurate. Mm. So now the examiners have to search a database that is suddenly massive in terms of the number of prints that are in it, but also the base rates of the, the types of people mm. in that database are very different. Mm. And so you must have to think differently about the types of prints that are coming up with it and the chances of finding a correct match using that search. So that's the first thing that comes to mind. It seems that the chances of false positives would increase the more fingerprints that you put in there and if you change the types of fingerprints you're putting in. Okay. Now, fingerprints, is it true that none of the same? Like, if, is there someone, there's 7 billion humans on the planet now, am I the only person with my fingerprints, as far as you're aware? I'm no philosopher, but that's a very difficult question to answer. I think mm. they call it the black swan problem, right? Who, it, it is claimed that fingerprints are unique. Mm. No two fingerprints have found to be the same. But what does that mean? On an atomic level, on a, yeah, on a, yeah, on a yeah. biological level, they're different. Mm. So on what level are they the same? And does it mean that a qualified expert fingerprint examiner has never been deceived by two prints that look the same? The chances of that situation ever coming up is pretty rare. So my point is that fingerprints might be unique, but nobody's looking. Yes, yeah, right. Well, oddly enough, you, so you've I'm, never found any? You've, you've never gone, <laughs> oh my god, they're there! Holy shit, they're the same. Well, actually, my, my fingerprint, my index finger on my left hand looks like a snowflake, and the one on my right looks like a zebra. Nice. Well, somebody did find in a Wisconsin snowstorm in uh, 84, 94. He's pulling numbers. Two snowflakes that looked the same, that were identical by all intents and purposes. So snowflakes aren't identical. Yes, the same thing. So there may be... So it's possible. There's a lot more snowflakes than there are fingers, though. That's true. But is there there a certain number of combinations at which these patterns Mm. can Mm. emerge? Yeah, that makes sense. In the end, you get the same pattern over and over again. So what surfaces show up fingerprints best? (laughs) Looking around your house, just point out where I shouldn't touch. (laughs) We do know this. We ask ask the cops, um, (laughs) what are the most common surfaces that fingerprints Prints are found or recovered from. So, so carpet, I'm assuming, doesn't not pick a up a no, lot of uh, yeah. fingerprints. No, not good. Wood, so doorways, door frames. Yeah. Um, but is that because we touch them a lot? Or is that because they're good for keeping a fingerprint on them? It's going to be a mix. Mix, yeah, okay. Yeah, it'll yeah. be a mix. The, the absolute best surface for prints is going to be glass. Uh, so do you remember what Matt offered us as soon as we came in? Now, th- yes, actually, now I'm thinking about it. And do you remember how... He took how it away... Th- and he, he took them away, and then he came back with two identical glasses. And do you remember how pedantic I was about saying whose glasses? Which I, he did too. And you're oh like, my God. and you're like, no, no, it doesn't matter. It doesn't we, matter. we shared germs. Like, okay, well. But you're, you're sitting there going, but one of them has your fingerprints, <laughs> and, then, and one of them has your fingerprints. That's really exciting. I didn't. He's, he's a, oh, something beaten. Well, it seems homes. it seems that we won't be murdering Mr. Thompson <laughs> after all. <laughs> What a nice man. That's what I thought. Matt was such a nice guy.
Yeah, yeah. So I was, wanted to be best friends with him. That's yeah, right. We didn't want to go. We're like, oh, can we stay in your nice house? And but we didn't. We didn't hang around. Like, because no. I, I usually there's a sort of a oh, have a yeah. chat. But I was like, oh, I really like this guy. I want to be best friends with him and follow him to the pub. Oh no, I don't want to be that guy. We should get out. We got to be cool. We got to be cool. <laughs> be cool, Greg. Yeah, he dragged me out. Like, Greg needs to go and change his pants. And then we had to leave. Yeah. So face that. But he was very nice, guys. So very lucky. And hopefully we'll have more exciting mm. psychological madness to talk about in the future. Call us, Matt. <laughs> we love you. I didn't mean to leave six messages on your phone. <laughs> it was meant to be seven. <laughs> One didn't record. <laughs> Who are you? Officer Robot Homicide. Yes, sir. He's right over there. Merry Christmas. Please leave me alone. Leave me alone. Why are you doing this? None of your goddamn business. Look, I am just going to come out there. No, no, you. You touch me, I'm going to go. For Christ's sake, take it easy. I don't like this any better than you do. I'm scared too, okay? I just want to talk to you. Don't touch me. I didn't do anything wrong. I know that. It is not like you are murdering anyone. I know you are hurting. I get it. I am just going to stand here and talk to you. That is all. You won't... you won't try nothing? No. Do you think I want to fall off? Okay, alright. Here. Do you want a cigarette? Go on. Take it. You take you to leave without me. What are you doing? See this key? Bye bye. You're crazy! Now you can jump if you want to, but you'd be taking me with you. And that makes you a murderer. You bastard! Yeah. You'd be killing a cop. Yeah, I'd be killing a psycho, not f you! I'm jumping! Do you really want to jump? Do you want to? Well. That is fine with me. Come on. Let us do it our soul. I want to do it. I want to do it. Want to go up again? Let us go again. Stay tuned for more Officer Robot. Now, of course, it's 2012. So what does that mean for the year, Dan? What's it mean for the year? It's divisible by two. Yes, and divisible by what? Four. Yes, and what does that mean? Oh, it's probably a leap year. It's a leap year! Happy leap year! So we will have a leap year. We'll have an extra day, and that day will be in February, as it always is. But that's not all. We're also going to be adding on the 30th of June a leap second. Oh, are we? We're officially adding a leap second to our lovely calendar. Yes. How often do we do that? Hmm? How often do we do Last that? Last one was in 2008. So All right. The International Earth Rotation and Reference Systems Service in Paris are the grand arbiters of time. Dun, dun, dun. The French have decided they are time lords. All French people are time lords. You can tell the frog princess. She's that, well, they, they, they all have two hearts, which is why they oh. are able to eat all that food. And that's why they're so and good at die. love. 
Oh, yes. Oh. Two hearts. And so basically, they've declared that a leap second will be introduced the 30th of June 2012. Now, why would we do that? Isn't something slowing down or speeding up? It's got or... to do with processions and, and the fact that we've created this calendar that doesn't fit. The universe is not like, yes, I'll fit well into your tiny, crazy systems. So it's always out. It's slightly out. And as you do these leap, leap days and then leap seconds, in the end, after a couple of thousand years, you'd be a couple of hours out. And in the end, you're, you're getting more and more out of you. So you're going, it's midday, and the sun will be going down. And you're like, what's a bit weird? Our clocks don't fit fit mm. the system. Now, this is not a major problem. Who cares? So on the t- 30th of June, what they'll do is it'll hit midnight. Instead of going to the next day in one second, yep. like, they'll just wait a second and then let the clock go. So they'll just basically they'll go, and we'll stop. So technically that means you get an extra second of time that night. You should kiss in that second. That's true. In the sec- Make that moment last. Kiss the person longer. you're not meant to kiss. Ah, it's a second that never happened. Nothing oh. nothing can be done evilly or uh, uh, naughtily in that second. Uh, actually, I think that would be a second that happened twice, so it would be twice as bad. Ah, oh, damn. Don't kiss anyone. <laughs> yes. Only kiss people at 12 smiley face. 12 Because that's a moment that doesn't exist. Right. Good. Yes. Yeah, so so uh, kiss 12 x 12 triple x That's a different moment. That's, uh, that's one second, is it? Oh, I'm, I'm so sorry, Frog Princess. Aww. Uh, <laughs> got you. Damn it. Walk straight into that one. <laughs> Now, I've learned something interesting about the calendar and leap seconds. Oh, really? Well, just something that I'd completely screwed up mentally is mm. that I always knew that the Earth orbited around the sun in an ellipse. Yes, yes. And Thank you, Kepler. Yes, and I assumed it wasn't a particularly distorted ellipse. Mm. I imagine that the width wasn't, wasn't much narrower no, than the yeah, length. Yeah, it's not particularly, yeah. Otherwise, the sun would go in and out from our perspective. <laughs> We'd say, oh, get dizzy. Oh, Which, oh, it, it, but you, imagine that you had a circle around the sun, mm-hmm. and you're looking at it from above, and I always assumed that when we were talking about it being an ellipse, you pulled out both ends so that the closest points were at the sides, mm-hmm. And there were two points far away from each other from the sun at the top and the bottom of that circle. Yes. But that's not right. No. The clo- it's, you pull out one end of the ellipse mm. and it sort of swings out and then swings back in. So the closest point is the top of that circle. And, and you know why that is, though? Do you want to know why? Yeah, I think I've... Uh, yeah, yes. See, circles have one focal point in the centre, right? So you put yes. you, you, so you, you put the moon, you put the sun in the centre and the Earth goes round in a circle. That's what, that's what people think. Yeah. But when you make it into an ellipse, ellipses have two focal points. And one is where the sun sits and the Earth actually goes round the circumference. I don't think that's the right word for an ellipse, but mm. the outside of the ellipse. But there's another focal point that the Earth doesn't sit. That's between... That's where the sun would sit on the other side, if that makes sense. I'm not making that. It doesn't make a lot of sense. But there are two focal points in an ellipse. That, that, oh, okay. that has to go around. That's why it's stretched out that way. It, it uh, does. You, yeah. Yeah. So, so, the, so basically what happens is you have the sun sitting in one focal point, and, I, 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 and my brain just went, probably not the right word to use. But anyway, so we, we'll, I'll put a picture up of an ellipse. On, on, we'll connect to an ellipse picture mm. so people can see what I'm saying. So the sun sits in one. The earth goes very quickly around the outside, like very quickly around the sun at that point. And then as it goes further out a long way away, it slows down. Like this is why comets do that, to speed yeah. up and around. And guess Kepler pointed out, this is the interesting part. It's one of Kepler's laws. From the focal point, and you go, um, you sweep out an area of the orbit that the planet is going around the sun. Yep. The same amount of area is swept out, even if it's far away than it is close up. So if it's close up, it's moving very quickly. Therefore, it has a larger amount of area. But, of course, it's smaller because it's, it's up against the side of the ellipse. As it goes further out, the area becomes larger that's sweeping or the, the, from, the, from the focal point it's sweeping out. But, of course, it's still the same area. And that's, that's one of Kepler's laws. That's one of the how he works out of working out orbital mechanics. 
I'll put a link to that. Yeah. I, think, I, I think I've confused Dan slightly there. Uh, my eyes are going goggles. Yes, it's, but it's, it's, one of those, it's one of those very important astronomical laws, like uh, Kepler, one of Kepler's uh. laws. People are very clever at yelling the number of Kepler's law, which one it is, and I can't quite remember right now. Okay. But it's one of, his, one of Kepler's laws. Uh, the odd thing is that the Earth has an orbit that's almost a circle. Oh, yes. It's the tiniest amount. It's like 3% mm-hmm. difference. But Venus has quite a larger one, mm. and it actually swings... It's very clo- it's closer to the sun than us, mm-hmm. and so part of the time it's close to the sun, and then when it swings out, it actually swings into the Goldilocks zone of our solar system. Mm. It, but, always, it always was, wasn't it? it wasn't it was, it's always on the inside of the Goldilocks zone, where Mars is on the outside of the Goldilocks zone, and we're sort of slap bang in the mm, centre. But, but it actually goes into it. Oh, further into it. Yeah, it, oh, okay. as in it's not. It's not. It's not inside it. It's mm. actually in the band. Mm. So parts of the year in Venus is. A livable an environment where, it, but no, no, no. I'm not. That's <laughs> what I'm saying it, is yeah. that if Venus spent all its time in that band, right. it could have become that. Although yes. there are other elements going yes, on because yeah, it's mostly Venus's crazy greenhouse effect that makes it an unlivable and yeah. nasty. Place. Five thousand degrees Celsius on the planet's surface, melt lead, baby. It's not fun. It's a crazy place. Yeah. Pressure is like you wouldn't believe. Crush you like an egg. No problem at all. It's a nasty piece of work, Venus. That's love for yeah. you. Oh, well, yeah, there you go. <laughs> Pressure's like you wouldn't believe? Yeah, that sounds like Venus. And now back to Officer Robot. You want to explain what happened out there, Officer Robot? The pursuit exceeded its tolerance level. In the resulting intersection of the vehicles, two perpetrators, and my partner, human officer number 382, lost their lives. One perpetrator escaped, but I will find them and bring them to justice. Officer Robot, I'm taking you off the case! I do not understand the phrase, off the case. Please restate the question. You! Too emotionally invested! Confirmed. I want your gun and badge. Confirmed. Oh, wait, wait! No, no, there's one more thing about the moon. No, oh, he's excited. Oh, no, he's no, excited. No, 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 no. Ah. This is really cool. Get the shields. <laughs> I got really, really excited by this one. You know how John F. Kennedy, back in the 60s, went, we're going to go to the moon. Like, yeah. By the end of the decade, man will be on the moon. Like, that was the whole point. The whole space race against the Russians. We do this not because it is easy, but because it is really fucking hard. <laughs> Mr. President, we'll edit that. Uh, we'll edit that down. Now, that- Don't you touch a word. <laughs> Marilyn, put those away. <laughs> I'm the sexiest president in the United States. Bow, chicka, bow. I don't know. I think me, Billy Clinton, had something on you as well. You're just a sperm in your daddy's balls. (laughs) What? All right. Enough. Enough. I never want to talk. Smart enough to know American politics. (laughs) Oh, that's great. So, Kennedy made... What president put what into whom? (laughs) You... The, <laughs> they said, so, the, the, the whole, get to the moon. We don't do this because it's easy. We do this because it's hard. Take note. Hard. Stop. Take note, people. That's why we do these things. People go, oh, it's very expensive. We can't go to Mars. And balls, we should be on Mars right now. All right, sorry, I just clipped and hurt. Yelled into my, my headphones right. on purpose then. It's, it's bloody hard, and it's going to be expensive. We should be on Mars right now. Bloody hell. Anyway, that's, that's not what I'm talking about. That's a whole different rant for another day again. So, or a previous podcast, or, even. Oh, it's never going to go. I'm never, I went to the planetarium. We talked about planetarium, and I, I saw another show. And at the end, 
the history of space flight, and it's all very good, and you should see it. It's history of space, space age. And at the end, the announcer got angry for me, and I was very happy. <laughs> he was like, because you now the shuttle, the shuttle will be decommissioned on the, in, in 2011. And then he said, we should be on Mars. We are not, because we have lost the will to explore. And I'm like, you tell the man on the roof! That was very angry. Really, really, the, the man whose who's livelihood depends on new information he was about an space actor. coming He in. was an actor talking in a microphone. That wasn't his job. You go to hell. Anyway, <laughs> the point of this is... The point of this is that you're so cynical. Yes, people will make money out of this, Dan. Welcome to capitalism. Come <laughs> Blue Oceans. There are no Come Blue Oceans on the moon, and that's what I'm talking about. Because Kennedy said we've got to go to the moon yep. in 10 years, and they, of course they did it in 1969. We, we put, um, or at least they said they oh, did. For God, don't, don't. Don't. Or I will get Buzz Aldrin in and he will punch you in the face. He's done it before, he'll do it again. He did. He punched the guy in the face. So much fun just pressing that. I know where his buttons are. I hate you. But anyway, so um, the two men landed on the moon, Neil Armstrong and, of course, Buzz Aldrin uh, landed and walked around. But uh, poor Michael Collins didn't because he was busy fighting the Irish Revolutionary War. History joke. I think I might have got it wrong. Anyway, at the moment, I'm hoping Girl Clumsy's out there at the moment going, Well played, sir. Well played. <laughs> uh, anyway, Michael Collins, of course, went around the outside. The point of this is they did it in 1969, but they didn't know they were going to beat the Russians. The Russians were way ahead of the, the Americans at that time. They put Sputnik 1 mm. and 2. They, they killed put, a dog in space. Laika went up there and died from heat exhaustion. That's right. They, the Russians had the first spacewalk. They, they kept leapfrogging each other. So mm. the Americans were the first ones to dock in space, like dock the spaceships together. And, and We do this not because it is easy. <laughs> Because I'm lonely. No, uh, yeah, that was Neil Armstrong did that as well. So Dog in space, that's not sexy enough. <laughs> but what's this docking in space <laughs> thing? Uh, nice, yeah. But Neil Armstrong did that docking. Mr. Kennedy, seriously. <laughs> I'm gonna get Do this- you want this money or not? All right, all right. We'll, we'll try to. Can you say bow chicka wow wow while you do it? Oh, fine. Anyway, the, you're not letting me finish the story. And the story is they didn't know they were, they were going to beat the Russians, and that was a big thing. Like, mm-hmm. We have to beat the Russians. So they came up with a plan, a very early plan. I love this plan. Yep. The plan was this. This, this almost happened too. The plan was to cannibalize the whole system. Just go now, now, now. Early in the '60s. Yep. And build as quick as they can. Make it half the size of what they finally built. Half the cost send a man to the moon by himself one guy by himself with a stage of his rocket full of all sorts of materials he would go to the moon go into orbit land on the moon and not come home oh. and a state his rocket would land basically he'd land it and he would have food and water for 14 days and air, obviously, for 14 days, and yeah. that's it, right? 14 days. He would have all these devices, four nuclear reactors, and he would have to drag them all into position, and air scrubbers, and he would have to build a little base for himself out of the stuff they gave him yeah. with it, and keep himself alive. They said also, if you have to find a cave, they're going to find a cave and land him near a cave, so he could go into the cave and make it airproof and put the reactors underground so he wouldn't be irradiated because there was no, not really any real shielding on yep. these things, and he was making a little base for himself. Right. He had 14 days to do it by himself. He would then have to stay, I guess how long on the moon guess uh, another 14 days bit longer than that <laughs> actually a lot longer than that yeah. 12 months longer than that how long would he have to stay <laughs> two years so their plan was to land him in 1965 they said they yeah. could have got him onto the moon by 96 four years before they did it 1965 and in two years later they would have built a system to get them back but of course they built it in 1969 not 1967 yeah. so he probably would have waited four years if he hadn't gone Bug shit psycho. And, and he would, because he wouldn't have the iPad or the, any kind of, he couldn't take books because it was all streamed down. It was one man. Yeah. He couldn't, and it wasn't that they had the internet streaming at him. He could have watched it. That television. man would be so good at making sandcastles. 
But he couldn't, as far as I'm aware, and, and maybe people can correct me if I'm wrong here, I don't think he could get out of his spacesuit, only inside the capsule. So it's not as if he can, it's not as if he's building a big base for himself. He'd just be stuck in his capsule, take off his spacesuit. That's it. And those capsules, that capsule was small. It was cramped for three men. Mm. This would have been half the size. So it would have been cramped for one and a half men. Basically, we're in a cramped system. Imagine living in a tiny, tiny, tiny toilet size room for two years where the environment outside will instantly kill you. You're all by yourself. No one is coming. No one's going to go. Or you hope not. Yeah. You? <laughs> and uh, otherwise, you hello. <laughs> <laughs> and, and and it nearly happened. It was it, it was going push, push through, and finally people went. That's insane. And what? Who would do this? But supposedly people would. There were people and lining up. At the up. same time, you've you've always said if someone gave you the opportunity to travel to Mars, would yes. you take the same amount of time in a tiny little room for? It's true. That, yeah. that you'd leap at it like a shot. I, and I probably would. I think Mars is different. To me, Mars is different than the moon. I think there's something about Mars. There's still... nothing. It's different color. Yes. It's still a big, rocky nothing. It has an atmosphere. Not a good one, but it has an atmosphere. And, and you're not staring into the inky blackness all the time. I don't know. You're right. It would be. I have be... been at nightclubs that the have difference... an atmosphere. <laughs> that <laughs> is not a plus. But but the, the difference there is nowadays, they can beam things. If you're on the moon, then you could be, have the internet. It's only a three-second delay. I mean, it's hard to have a three-second conversation. I'd say, hi, Dan. He's not saying, oh, thanks, Dan. No, I just, oh, God, it's Greg calling again from the moon. <laughs> Let's try again. He's Dan, saying... I'm, Dan, hi, I'm really lonely uh, um... on the moon. Dan, hi, I'm really lonely on the moon. Where's the block? Uh, invisible. Six. Click. Invisible. Okay. Thanks, Dan. The point is you have oh, kind just of... every single day. It's like he's got nothing else to do <laughs> but call me up. But now you could stream books and movies to people and you could fire like, at the what did, you do, what did you do today, Greg? I made another sandcastle, Dan. <laughs> You should have seen this one. Click. Dan? Dan? Sorry, I'm going through a space tunnel. <laughs> oh. I know what you are thinking. To a 96% compatibility level. You are thinking, did he fire six shots? Or only five? Well, to tell you the truth, in all this excitement, my math's top processor has still not lost count. It was six. Now ask yourself one question. Do you feel lucky? Punk? Hey, come back here. Oh, that's right. I am out of bullets. Look, Dan, on the horizon, there's something coming. Is it? Is it a train? It's not a train, Dan. It's much more dangerous than that. Is it Min Min Lights? It's not Min Min Lights. It's real, and it's out to get us. Dan, it's the Walk of Shame! I wish you wouldn't yell that. <laughs> All right. So what did we get wrong in previous podcasts then? So much stuff. Okay, I'll start with myself. I made some half-assed comment about radium, R-A, radium, being the name of radium. I don't even know. I went and looked this up. Where did I find it? it? Named after the The, god? The sun, Ra. I have no idea what I was talking about, because I think I just saw Ra. Oh, Ra, sun. Boar, rubbish. Uh, Marie Curie, radium. It's got to do with the rays it put out. So it put out rays, and therefore she called it radium. It just, There it is, radium. Nothing to do with... 
boring. Nothing to do with Egyptians or the god of Ra. It has nothing to do with the sun. Where I got confused, but I did actually find where I read it, uh, people thought they put a lot of radium into health tonics that you drink because they thought that it was a, they said it's like a little piece of the sun in every drink kind of thing. And it kind of is. And it kind of, yeah. Well, if you put a little piece of the sun inside you, that is not going to fare well for you. No, no. So, but, but it's nothing to do with the sun, obviously. But yeah, radium um, rays. Radium, that's the name of it. There you go. So, walk of shame for Greg. Radium. Mate, I mentioned <laughs> that I read that Neanderthals, too, even though they look just yes. like us, yes. that if you had a Neanderthal baby and you raised it in our culture, mm-hmm. that it wouldn't be able to have language speak. and speak. And properly. I confidently said you were wrong. Yes. Now, <laughs> there's a little bit more to the story than that. Ah, good. Now, I like that, but that's much more fun. Now, I, I did some research. One team was studying the larynx of mm-hmm. Neanderthals, and the larynx is uh, different. Mm. They concluded from studying that that the speech wouldn't have the subtlety of modern human speech, mm-hmm. but at the same time, that wouldn't form naturally, but maybe you could force it artificially. Mm. Uh, they still had big brains. Mm-hmm. So another team came forward and said, well, it's less important how the mouth works and more important how the neural control works. Sure. Now, last year, researchers discovered that Neanderthals shared a version of a gene called FOXP2, or FOXP2. Mm-hmm. This is the gene for language. People okay. missing a copy of FOXP2 suffer from language and speech disorders. Yes. But we have it, and Neanderthals have it. Sure. So there was... There Hang was... on. FOXP2. That's the guy who went with Phileas Fogg around the world in 80 days. Is it? No, it's PUSP2. But anyway, it's fine. Oh, it was no, a joke. That was a joke. It would have been funny if I'd ever read... <laughs> Thanks. Thanks for going with me on that one, Dan. Uh, Sorry about that. Uh, But John Hawkes, a biological anthropologist at the University of Wisconsin, says that some genes important to hearing change rapidly in modern humans, Mm. perhaps because the genes help decode new, more complex spoken languages. It's something that's happened in the last 40 years, and it's at a genetic level. 40 years? Uh, 40 years. In the last 40,000 years. Thank you. And it's happening at a genetic level. But but Dan Hill's only died out about 10,000 years ago. Uh, uh, no, maybe we're early there. 30, I think that's what you said last time. So maybe you're yeah. It's, at, it's, at any it's rate, in that range. Yeah. At any rate, what I'm saying, uh, what yeah. this states is that us going from being able to deal with simple language to mm. complex language mm. is happening at a genetic level, mm-hmm. but not so much from our vocal cords or our brain being able to speak, but mm. from our brain being able to decode subtle sounds. Right. Oh, interesting. Okay. Mm. Right, that's interesting. So, so, hang on, does that mean Neanderthals had it or not had it? Because they had this gene, ah. they probably had simple language, but they would struggle like crazy with right. our it... complex language. Oh, okay, fair enough. But they, they, they could learn it, though. But there's still a lot of... Um, mm. but yeah, they, Ambiguities here. A lot of ambiguities. Yeah. And if you did it, it, it seems to me that mm. th- th- it would be like a, a child with a learning disability. Sure, sure. That's interesting. Thank you, Dan. Mm. That's, that is quite interesting. And we had another kind of weird semi-competition between you and I about dinosaur DNA. We did. Dinosaur, we did. So, and it was a proper competition. Yeah, it was. It was Team Wah. Yeah, Team Wah. Team Wah said you cannot store DNA for millions of years. That's yep. what I said. And you said team... it all, they'd all turn, they'd be fossilized. Yes. yes. You'd only get stone. Yeah, that's right. And Dan, Team and Dan I, said. I said, no, there is mummified di- dinosaur flesh. Yes. And partial DNA. Right. Recovered from it. Okay. So now. And, and we, and we went. One of us is going to be wrong. That's right. And one of us is going to be right. And I've done some research, and you've done some research. And I've done some research. We haven't research. talked yet. It's the first no. we've talked about it. So, do you want to go first? I'll go first. All right. I have established. Yes. Neither of us were right. 
Really? Both of us were wrong Ooh. in an interesting way. I said, well, well, that's what, what I worked out was that you still, well, the long short of it is you cannot store DNA for millions of years. Mm-hmm. The, the oxygen will destroy it. It will, it will, it will fall apart. Yep. But there is evidence that it can be maintained in fossils for some time. Yes, we're both yeah. wrong and right at the same time. Kind uh, of well, thing. What, what, so go, Dan, explain. They're inside fossils. Mm-hmm. There were partial remnants of dinosaur flesh mm-hmm. that wasn't fossilized, hadn't been replaced by particulates mm-hmm. or anything. Yep. It was flesh. It still had a cell membrane. Right, okay, yes. But the DNA is proteins, and proteins break down by themselves yes. long before we got to them. So mm. I was very wrong in saying that there was partial DNA. There was mm. no DNA. No DNA, that's right. That's proteins, but yes. there was dinosaur flesh, mummified dinosaur, dinosaur oh, flesh. Interesting, and we can't. And yeah, that's the problem. Um, DNA only lasts for my research lasts for uh, tens of thousands of years, maybe a hundred thousand years, just hanging out DNA doing its thing. It will not last millions of years, so especially not sixty-five million years. This makes it uh, problematic to clone dinosaurs. Mm. But to be more interesting about this, because birds are dinosaurs, uh, they're not even, they pretty much just are dinosaurs. I mean, birds existed at the end of six, seven million years ago. Yep. They existed then. So birds are connected. Well, they've come from the same family anyway. And there is a, a guy I was reading about who said that it, maybe it would be possible to, once we get better at genetic engineering, go and repress certain genetics and uh, like feathers and that sort of stuff and actually bring about dinosaurian uh, um, kind of looking, looking things. things. Yeah. Whether it is a dinosaur, well, you can argue that fact. But yes, he said you can make a dinosaur. Now, of course, when I read that, I went, why are you repressing the feathers? They were feathered. Theropods, <laughs> theropods were feathers. They're not already talking about the, the running, velocity, stabby, kind of kicky ones are definitely feathered. There's lots of... All the evidence seems to be pointing... I shouldn't say definitely, but most of the evidence seems to be pointing at most of these damn theropods were, uh, were feathered in some way no, or another. No, no. So no, I, another. Won't, I won't accept that... Even T-Rexes were I probably feathered. I won't accept that T-Rex, the greatest murderer that the world has ever seen, went around with a feather boa-looking thing <laughs> coming off it. <laughs> I love it. And, well, the idea that the baby ones were probably feathered and then maybe they lost them as they got older because they needed for insulation when they're smaller. When they got bigger, because they, they, the heat became a problem. Oh, yeah. So smaller ones need to go, oh, my God, I'm cold. When you're giant, of course, you're like, oh, my God, I'm heating up. So you have to get rid of heat. Uh, yeah, but yes, there you go. So isn't that interesting? So walk of shame. We have two walk of shames. We're both right and we're both wrong. Mm. Interesting. Well, no, there's, I got another walk of shame. <laughs> you, we were talking about reindeer. Yes. And how you would want some of Santa's magical reindeer at the North Mag- Magnetic Pole. Yes. But they wouldn't go up that high, so Santa would have to artificially move them yes. to that I point. I thought they lived at the Arctic Circle, yes. It turns out that the North Magnetic Pole is at 81.3 <laughs> degrees north. Uh, good point. And, uh, the, and the reindeer can be found as far north as 83 degrees north at uh, Kootenit <laughs> Park, National Park of Canada. Sure. Where that- all the awesome people are. <laughs> See? I'm trying to boost the profile nice. of Canada. Nice. No, yeah. oh, don't, what, don't, don't, don't mess with Canadians. No, you're right. I, I, I stupidly mixed up magnetic north to physical oh, to north. Poland. Oh, to Poland. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. So, no, you're right. Because polar north would have been, been different because it would have been a big ice pack. What the hell are the reindeer doing on an ice pack? You know what I mean? Like, there's no, there's no land up there. Mm. And it's disappearing very rapidly. The ice is disappearing, I mean. Mm-hmm. So, yes, you're right. I stu- stupidly said the wrong thing. <laughs> <sighs> I've got one for me and one for you. Yep, yep. You said we were talking about... And I went mastodons, and you went yes, yes. Woolly oh, mammoths, cool. yes. the kind of similar, maybe mm. uh, kind of. And uh, I had a look, and mastodons are not closely related no. to mammoths or elephants at all. No, 
So if you tried to put a Mastodon embryo inside mm. an elephant to give birth to it, then you're in all sorts of problems. Yes. You might as well stick it inside a tapir. Yep. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, the Mastodons and mammoths are very different. They just happen to have done similar evolutionary things with similar problems. So, so furry, trunky kind of animals. It, not with the fur and trunk, it's not a yeah, mammoth or a Mastodon. Mm. Uh, also, I said that mammoths were like four times as big as elephants. Yes. They're actually bigger, I think. The biggest mammoth was probably about 12 tons. Yep. The biggest elephant we know of was 11. So they oh, were a smidge bigger. So mastodons must have been bigger than than than, than elephants. Because mastodons are huge. Are they? Yeah, that was what I was looking at. Mastodons were the really, 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 right. really big ones. Yeah. Oh, I didn't look at that. Because yeah. uh, I realized that I was getting my information mm-hmm. about the size of mammoths uh, from a Magic the Gathering card. <laughs> so... <laughs> And uh, this, that was my mistake. Here's a pickup. But uh, it does have trample, <laughs> that card, so. Nice. Here's a pickup uh, about your grammar, Dan. Dan, like, I won't hear a word said about her. <laughs> uh, Dan likes saying, without further ado, uh, no, actually, it's with further ado. Uh, and, and they said, so you don't say without further ado, here we go. You say, with further ado, here we go. We, we always say it backwards, supposedly. Oh, do we? So, yeah. So, yeah, so but what's a do? So, um, uh, it, isn't a do fucking f- around? It's, it's with further ado. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. It's, it's basically we are saying it backwards, even though it doesn't sound like we're saying it backwards. But, but what's a do? a do? A do is stuffing around, isn't it? You, so, without further ado, without but, stuffing around. No, no, sorry. What they're saying is you're saying without further ado. What's adieu? Adieu, as in the French word, adieu, goodbye. Without. That's what it sounds like. Without further, you're saying adieu, not adieu. Oh, right. Am I? That's, I, I, that's what we're being No, said. I'm not. That's what we're being said. I'm saying adieu. I just said adieu, adieu, adieu. Oh, you go. Oh, you've been called on it. Punch an apple, take a tree. Adieu, do, do, straight to the phantom enemy. To the left. I feel like I should be roller skating to this. Ah, right. Anyway, so, okay, well, Dan is calling you out, Steve Nerlick. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> but no, thank God. Thank God um, Steve Nerlick didn't say anything about me. That's always nice. Because, you know, I say everything right all the time. I've never made a mistake. Hi, Greg and Dan. Thanks for inviting me to contribute to the Walk of Shame. Back in episode 12, Greg had this to say about hawking radiation. Hawking radiation would require, to actually put it out, hawking radiation, the background universe would have to be quite cold, so you don't have to worry about the walking radiation way off into the future. Now here's the real story. According to quantum physics, the universe is full of quantum fluctuations. A single photon dissociates into a matter and antimatter pair, let's say an electron and a positron, and then those two particles collide and annihilate producing a photon. So you go from a photon back to a photon, which means there's a net energy production of zero, and the whole thing happens within a tiny space of time called a Planck time, so no one's going to notice it happened anyway. But if you have a quantum fluctuation near a black hole, and one of the particle-antiparticle pair goes into the black hole, then A the one that goes into the black hole, annihilates with an opposite particle in there, and B, the one left over, joins the outside universe without being annihilated. And it's this remaining particle that represents Hawking radiation. So it's not really electromagnetic radiation, but an output of something like electrons or positrons. Anyhow, the net result is that the black hole 
decreases in mass, since one particle that was already in there was annihilated, and the universe outside the black hole gains one particle. This process is supposedly how black holes will eventually evaporate, although it will take them a Google years or more to do so. That's Google, O-L, not Google, L-E. A Google years is 1 times 10 to the power of 100 years, or 1 with 100 zeros after it. Okay, thanks. You got saved! <laughs> so did. Oh, I so did. Oh, dear. Uh, I, uh, <laughs> thanks, Steve Nerlick from CheapAstro.com for putting me in my place. <laughs> Dan? Yes? I've, um, I've got a song. Lull me to sleep with your... Uh... Well, um, it's, um, hmm, it's an interesting song. What? Why? You look really untrustworthy all of a sudden <laughs> um well uh, the song's a bit confronting it's good it's it's not highbrow enough is it there's no there's no 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 it has some really clever maths in it oh so it's a math song it's a math song i love math songs good oh yes i'm banging one tonight oh that was somebody reliable uh hi internet it's been a while i wrote this song for you and it's about something that's usually pretty boring math, and it makes it fun. It's called New Math. One, two, three, four. Let's do it. Once a pirate minus the ship, just a creative homeless guy, and an anteater plus a large hungry mutant ant, an ironic way to die, and what's domain, domain range? A kid with too much in his pants and two balls, a minus one. Six titles at the Tour de France. The Tour de France. Cancer. Split a decision with long division. Take the circumference of your circumcision. Live like your data. And when you're all set, put it all together and whatever you get. It's new math. It's new math. And what's a bag of chips divided by five? Well, that's a Nike worker's meal. And Santa Claus multiplied by I. Well, I guess that makes him real. And the square root of the NBA is Africa in a box. How do you trace a scatter plot? You give the pencil to Michael J. Fox. Take the approximate moral proportion of the probable problem of a pro-life abortion. Live like your data, and when you're all set, put it all together and whatever you get. It's new math. It's new math. And if you took a factor tree of the factors that caused my girl to leave me, you'd have a tree full of Asian porn. C-A-L, see you later. Mathematical minds make industrial smog. And what's the opposite of L-N-X? Duraflame, the unnatural log. That is clever, Support the farmers with a protractor. Link Kennedy and Lincoln with a common factor. Live like your data when you're all set. Put it all together and whatever you can. It's new, it's new, it's new, it's new, it's new math. 
word problems. Ready? If there's a fat guy in a pastry shop with a $20 bill and he's ready to buy, in order to predict his volume change, you'll need to know the value of pi. And there's a metal train that's a mile long, and at the very back end, a lightning bolt struck her. How long till it reaches and kills the driver, provided that he's a good conductor? And if 10% of men are gay and 20% of men are Chinese, what are the odds that a man chosen at random spends his free time and mealtime while on his knees? And if Kim is half as old as Bobby, who is two years older than 12-year-old Tori, for how many more 30-day months will the threesomes be considered statutory rape? Because uh, math can be sexy. Because having sex is like quadratic expansion. If it can't be split, then it's time to stop. And having sex is like a do in fractions. It's improper for the larger one to be on top. Yeah, having sex is like math homework. I do it best when I'm alone in my bed. And swearing numbers are just like women. If they're under 13, just do them in your head. And new math. Pedophilia. Th- that that's good. Uh, that's mm. good. No, I like that. Uh, that's I I because uh, maths is difficult for some people mm, to get into, mm, and mm, I like that mm. it's opening up to demographics of of um, um uh, of uh, uh, perverts. Yeah, um, it's got some good bits in it. So do some perverts. <laughs> I feel bad now. I feel kind of dirty that I brought this to our audience. I'm sorry, audience. I love you. Please don't hate me. You have been listening to Greg at smartenough.org. And Dan at smartenough.org. I'm so sorry. Wait, hang on. Hang on. That's going to sound like I was the one responsible if people are... Oh, really? Hi, I'm Dan. Dan. I'm going to use my Dan voice now. (laughs) Call back. Damn it. Uh, feel free to send us emails telling us how brilliant we are or, or how wrong we are. Or how incorrect our science can be. Walk of Shames are all up to you, ladies and gentlemen, of course. Mm, and one day we'll get so much feedback from you guys about Walk of Shame, we won't even have to do all the other research. <laughs> That's called crowdsourcing. So enjoy 2012. We'll be back next month. In fact, we'll be back in two weeks' time with the point five. Hope so. Hope so. Oh, well, they may not. You know, what if we run out of stuff? Oh, my God, we get nothing to talk about anymore. Yeah. Oh, 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 we're okay. All right. And uh, make sure, ladies and gentlemen, that you are excellent to each other at all opportunities. Don't send it to both of us or to the forum. Um, send it to one of us. So if Dan stuffed up, send it to me. So then I can ambush him, sort of thing. It's a whole because we have different email addresses. So and then so you got people do people send things to either of us. And... What a great relationship you guys have. Right? <laughs> Just it's... trying to one up each other. That's the drama. Yeah. It's got pretty heated sometimes. It's pretty heated. Thank you, this is putting me at ease, by the way. Sometimes it's this to come. <laughs> yeah, that's why I had it here. This is my safe zone. Yeah. <laughs> We're quite close to the edge. You can't do it something in my own house, surely. <laughs> These yeah. crystal sculptures are nice. Oops. To organize a talk to a lawyer one day. I don't want to talk to a lawyer because they'll tell me everything I'm doing. Yeah, I thought, I thought you'd have one on staff. No, no. <laughs> staff. <laughs> oh, bless your heart, Matt. Bless your heart. <laughs> 
this is the test that never ends. It goes on Don't and on, that. my friend. What? You mother f***er. I've had that f***ing song stuck in my head for years. <laughs> Someone started it many no, years stop, ago. Stop it. Another case solved by Officer Robot. Well, I better get on with the paperwork.